of the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the Tiger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Monday the 25th, and you are tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Warner. Alongside me is Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone is out on vacation. And Luke Wiggs, well, he's not joining me in studio. He's down on location covering the TBD, the TBT tournament. Luke, good morning. Good morning. I am spending my time in a hotel room as God intended. It is 65 <laughs> degrees. I'm in my underwear, and I'm watching SportsCenter. <laughs> well, I don't know it's if not we... not get much better than that. I'm not sure if we needed all of that visual on a Monday morning, <laughs> but uh, how's it been down there? I mean, I was watching a little bit, and we'll get more into it a little bit later on uh, this morning, but I was watching a little bit of the TBT last night, especially the best Virginia game, which turned out to be you know, a little bit of a... Well, exciting if you're a West Virginia basketball fan, but kind of a snooze fest game because they just took over in the second half. But I thought the best game was the heard that game. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with that. But I think the biggest takeaway from yesterday was TBT fans or West Virginia sports fans got the matchup that they wanted finally after four years. Heard that we'll be playing Best Virginia as both team advanced. But uh, the early showing of games, Wilco Showtime and War Ready was a fantastic game. The Bucketeers was the first game to play against Fully Loaded. That game was decided by 10, but the Bucketeers pulled away late in that one. So it wasn't the greatest crowd for the first session. You wouldn't expect it to be uh, without a local team playing it. But those two games were great and then the arena the Charleston Coliseum started to fill in um, and the heard that game was really fun you know John Elmore didn't have the greatest game and I know we'll talk about this all later but his teammates stepped up around him they were able to pull away late in the Elam ending and then Best Virginia had just a classic West Virginia performance they play still like a Bob Huggins team that mm-hmm. first half the offense was in molasses. They couldn't hit shots, but the defense was great. And finally, in that third quarter, they pull away. Uh, and again, setting up that best Virginia heard that matchup tomorrow. And I remember hearing about the 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 basketball tournament, TBT. Is it TBT? Is that what they want you to say? Or the basketball yes. tournament? TBT? They want you to call it TBT. So when uh, I remember when TBT was first kind of circulating around and it you know, had a couple of those teams, because of course, I mean, it's for a million dollars. So you're going to have some teams that are taking it serious. But I feel like... A lot of them were just kind of, you know, a couple of guys that get together, maybe played basketball in co- or high school and try for the money. But I love that now it's kind of turned into these, you know, collegiate reunion teams or alumni teams for that matter. I mean, you have Best Virginia, which is all West Virginia. Founding Fathers, JMU, uh, heard that. Marshall, I mean, all these ones. The Syracuse, uh, Bayheim's, uh, what was Bayheim's Army, the Syracuse yep. team that went down, uh, which was a big upset. And I think that's pretty cool just to hear the names like Devin Ebanks and KJ, you know, the, hear those names again is pretty neat. Yeah, and Fletcher McGee from Wilco Showtime's the Wofford team, and they got upset in the first round. I thought they would be a strong contender to come out of the other side of that bracket. It's the all-time leader in three-pointers made in the history of NCAA basketball. Uh, just another alumni team there. But you're right. Um, I-, I remember TBT in its infancy, the first year it was played, was in a gym in front of 500 people, mm-hmm. and the team that was the runner-up that lost the championship game was a barstool sports team. Yeah. You know, so we've come a long way with the talent in this tournament. You know, there are teams, there are players that are just 
really uh, an ounce of talent away from playing in the NBA mm-hmm. that are in this tournament. And they're stars overseas in whatever countries from Japan and Spain to Mexico and Puerto Rico. Uh, and they come on and they put on a show. I mean, they hit some of the toughest shots you will ever see a basketball player hit. And these are uh, you know, well-aged players, and again, I know we can talk about it later, but there are guys, you know, you think about Jermaine Haley and Tavon Myers, their game has matured so much since they played for the Mountaineers. If Jermaine Haley, not not to, to pick on him, but if he played in a WVU uniform as well as he did in a best Virginia uniform, he would have been one of the best players in the Big 12. So it's cool to see these players mature past their college days and kind of put it all together into something beautiful in that 30-point win that best Virginia had yesterday. You know, that's very true. I was sitting there watching the best Virginia game and watching KJ with that ugly shot that he's always had that I think might even got a little bit uglier that he's gotten a little older, but he's hitting all these shots and you got Ebanks driving and getting rebounds. It's like, man, where was this at in the Final Four? Exactly. Where was this at? Maybe that's the bad thing about TBT and having all these alumni games. But anyways, uh, thinking locally here, Hedgesville Little League softball, they are still on a tear. They're one and one in the region right now down in Warner Robins, Georgia. I saw a million posts of people uh, watching because you can watch these games on ESPN Plus. Uh, saw a million posts, people watch it. It's pretty cool seeing these local kids uh, on, like we were talking last week, world TV with it being on ESPN Plus because you never know who's going to be watching it or where they're going to be broadcasting it. But their first game they lost to Rowan Little League down in North Carolina, which I'm pretty sure they've had a couple of baseball teams in the Little League World Series. That name sounds familiar. Uh, they lost 9-4 to to them, but then came back and had a huge win, 11-0 over Unicoi County out of Tennessee. And then they're to, to play today against Niceville Valparaiso Little League out of Florida. Again, that's at 2 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Luke, do you think, you know, with these games being televised, a lot of these girls, of course, they were on the state championship team last year, so they have that experience uh, going a little deep. But now that they're getting really deep into this, uh, you know, Little League tournament, and it, with it being on ESPN Plus, do you think that's adding a little bit extra pressure? Or do you think they kind of can shake it off and keep playing like they obviously can with that bounce back win? Well, you'd have to think so, but I think it's never good to see a team take a loss. But when you take a loss that early, kind of dipping your toes in the water, you lose nine four, like you said, you've got the drama, the cameras in your faces, but then you bounce back with that eleven nothing win. So you kind of needed that first game to get rid of the jitters and the nerves and maybe shake off the rust a little bit, and then you come back to dominant ways in that Unicoi County game, eleven to nothing. So you'd have to think it has a little bit of pressure, but. You know, now you're a couple of games into it, and the setting doesn't change, the camera placements doesn't change. You've already gone through the honeymoon stage of, oh my goodness, my aunt saw me on TV, <laughs> and now it's time to win some games. So you've got Valpo, that Valpo team today at 2 p.m. Yep. Uh, and that's just about perfect viewing territory for the parents or relatives that didn't make the trip. You're at work, 2 p.m. You know, you got that tab open with ESPN Plus, and you get <laughs> yeah. to watch a little softball at work. So um, I, I think you're right that nerves had a little bit. Uh, uh, to play with it early on, but uh, after a while, you kind of settle into a rhythm. I'm looking at the box score here from their game. They uh, scored a run in the second, and you know, to build upon your point there, I think you are exactly right. If you're going to lose a game, especially in a double elimination tournament, lose that first one, get that shock out of it, and you can bounce back and kind of uh, settle back in. But uh, no runs, of course, for Tennessee. One in the second, two in the third, Two in the fifth and six in the sixth inning from the Hedgesville Little League team. They ended up uh, getting out 11 runs off 12 hits. And I think that's an even better sign. You know, you take that first loss, kind of, you know, spun your wheels a little bit. Then you get into this, you shut them out, only give up four hits, no errors, 12 hits that you have. And then all those runs coming in the last two innings has to be a pretty good uh, jump off point. 
Yeah, and, and certainly defense travels just like it does in basketball and football and whatever. Uh, if you're staunch defensively, or we don't even talk about defensively because you only gave up four hits. There mm-hmm. weren't a ton of balls being put in play with menace behind it. But you're absolutely right. If you're built around good pitching, which we've seen Hedgesville been able to do in the past, execute well and have a good defense behind you, that's something that doesn't go away. Well, you, you try to figure things out offensively. You only put up four runs in the first game, but then you follow back with an 11 spot. You know, when you have the defense similar to the TVT comparison I've just made. When Best Virginia was terrible offensively in the first half, their defense kept them in the game. So Hedgesville has the propensity to do the same thing uh, in this softball tournament. Uh, Well-pitched games and good defense behind it to limit errors, limit mistakes, and just wait for the bats to get going. Well, check it out. Speaking of uh, well-pitched game, Alexis Wagner, who pitched in that 11-0 win for Hedgesville uh, just uh, over the weekend. Six innings, right? Uh, 12 first pitch strikes, which is pretty impressive. Eight strikeouts total and a whip of .67. So uh, out there dealing, if you ask me. Yeah, the, the analytics behind that is something we don't have to go into. But when you get that first pitch strike, mm-hmm. that really changes uh, the perplexion of the rest of the at-bat. You know, batting averages tend to go down about 50, 75 points, and you're able to command the zone differently. You know, if you put the first one in the zone, you don't have to put the second pitch in the zone, and you're in control right away. So you talk about first pitch strikes, that's so important. And it's not just first pitch strikes because any anybody can throw one right over the heart of the plate at the beginning of a count, but well-placed first pitch strikes that don't amount to runs. So you got a pitcher, regardless of baseball, softball, whatever the level, that can command the strike zone that early. Uh, that That's uh, a recipe for success. And the good thing about softball is, you know, you can go again. You know, yeah. if you play baseball, you throw six innings, you're down for the count for three, four days. In softball, you could pitch like 10 minutes later. Right. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm sure that there's going to be more success uh, coming from the pitching staff of that Hedgesville team. Yeah, and Wagner did it from the plate, too. She was two for three on the game. Uh, let's see, Ali Selby, two for three as well. Uh, three for four, Chloe Frankhauser. So they're these these girls, these ladies, they're they're getting after it. And it's going to be definitely fun to watch. Like you said, two p.m. is the perfect time to be able to stream a uh, ball game of any kind, especially if you can get those double tabs up on your screen and whatnot. So there you go. But uh, what's your day uh, looking like down there? I mean, you got the day off today, no TBT. You know, that's a that's a great question that uh, science have yet to answer for me. Um, there's a movie theater down here. Um, I'm sure I'll take in that and. The lovely, lovely mall that seems to have stores closed <laughs> by the day uh, down here in Charleston, and I'm sure I'll hang out with some of Metro News's finest. You know, Trevor oh, Jones is down here. He knows how to how, how to have a good time. Yeah, uh, I've, but, I've kicked uh, back he, with uh, Travis a few times up Wheeling Island. <laughs> exactly. Um, it, it's a it's a bit of a shame. It makes sense for the players to have the day off. If it if I was still in Morgantown, I'd be able to go home. Mm-hmm. But I'm a good five hours away from my counterparts over there in the Panhandle, so. Just uh, my day is my own. So if you're in the area, let me know. Uh, we'll, we'll figure something out. We'll make something happen. I don't know why they'd be in the area and listening to this station, yeah. but in the off chance, let me know. Well, we might have to get you to head on over because you're not too far away from Huntington. I have to get you to run on over there and see if you can't find Abby Beeman and get a little uh, exclusive interview now she's over there at That's Marshall. That's a great point. That's a, you know, I can think of a no better crew than her, Big John, maybe get Chris Lawrence <laughs> involved. That's, that's, a, that's a crew that could do some damage. Especially if you end up going over to Huntington. I'm sure you can definitely find a couple places to uh, get in trouble (laughs) over there. Uh, But, yeah, Hedgesville Little League softball, they are killing it right now. 11-0 win over the weekend uh, over the Unicoi County Little League team out of Tennessee. They're going to play today. Again, you can watch all these on ESPN+. They will play first pitches at 2 o'clock against Valparaiso. Again, another, uh, I feel like, Little League powerhouse. What is it with these Little League teams? It feels like every year, or I guess a lot, uh, more often than not, 
it's like these Valparaiso, these other different teams that you always hear that are always in these Little League World Series or in these Little League like postseasons. Man, there's just some dynasties out there. You know, everybody's, you know, the, the, the Martinsburg isn't the only place or Jefferson isn't the only place <laughs> mm-hmm. that has a John Lowry running around. You know what I mean? These mm-hmm. guys, they, they, they've got culture. They've put something in the water and then they breed success. But uh, it's up to up and coming upstart teams like Hedgesville, like teams for the Panhandle, handle, excuse me, to knock them off the throne. Yeah, and uh, speaking of a little bit older, Legion State Tournament getting started on Tuesday, 1 o'clock. Berkeley uh, is going to be playing Parkersburg, so make sure you keep an eye out for that. But when we uh, come back from this break, we'll be chatting a little bit more TBT. And then coming up after 8.30, got a special interview. The new Spring Mills Athletic Director, Wayne Reiser, will be coming in to chat about not just his start as the Athletic Director and building, building that young program, still young program at Spring Mills, but the program that he built and was super successful with over at Shepherd. So we'll talk to him a little bit later. But after the break, we're talking TBT here on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Join the conversation on Twitter at EP News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Alongside me is Luke Wiggs. Parker is out on vacation for the week. But we started, well, we probably talked a little bit too much about it there in the first segment, uh, Luke. But TBT is in full swing, especially in this West Virginia regional. Uh, the Civic Center was all packed up last night as heard that and Best Virginia took on their first round matchups and they ended up winning both of those. So it sets up that matchup we were talking about with uh, heard that and Best Virginia. First time that they've played in four years. That's what everybody's been waiting for. But what I thought was pretty interesting when I was listening to the game last night was Caridi saying, um, Tony Caridi that is, that, uh, you know, West Virginia Marshall, they never play each other. So I looked and they had never played, they haven't played each other since 2018. What's up with that? And by the way, in that game in 2018, West Virginia won 94 to 71 and it wasn't even on the East Coast. It was in San Diego. Yeah, you know, it's a shame. I know that's what the fans want to see more of is West Virginia and Marshall matchups. It, it's it's hard to, for football, It's it's easy to understand uh, West Virginia doesn't really want to make that return trip to Marshall, and Marshall won't sign a contract, basically, mm-hmm. uh, unless West Virginia were to come to Huntington. Uh, basketball, it is a tough one. You know, uh, Bob Huggins has not been shy to putting rivals back on the schedule when you talk about them playing Pitt over the last couple of years. But, you know, you mentioned that NCAA tournament matchup, which I'm sure is going to come up a lot um, when these two teams match up in uh, TBT, the alumni teams, when um, – they matched up in the round of 32 back a couple of years ago in the NCAA tournament in the Mountaineers uh, with a handful of players that are on this TBT team. And the same could be said for Marshall as John Elmore was uh, their best player in that one. Uh, and it was a fun matchup for the fans. I know it was a sour taste in the mouth of Marshall fans because uh, of how bad or one-sided um, the scoreline of that game was. But you're right. I mean, the fans want to see it. And why deprive them of the opportunity? Because it's a West Virginia-Marshall matchup uh, that's not associated with the universities, and yet there's going to be six, 7,000 people at the Civic Center, maybe more, because I've heard people online say that it's going to get crazy. Um, you know, it's a revenue opportunity for both of those teams uh, to play each other, and I hope they do so in the NCAA ranks and not just the TBT ranks. Well, it is pretty cool to see them in the TBT ranks because it's kind of like seeing a Hall of Fame, you know, game between these two teams. Now, admittedly, I don't know hardly anything about Marshall. I'm just going to say because that's part of the state I'm in. It's not down there. It's all West Virginia up here. Uh, but, you know, having these matchups with, you know, KJ and the eBay and the guys we've been talking about the whole time uh, makes it just as exciting, if you ask me, especially as somebody that, you know, is as many years, I'm not going to say exactly, but as many years removed from college uh, as I am at this point. <laughs> yeah, and um, it'll be 
just the ultimate bragging rights for these fan bases too. If Marshall with John Elmore and of course the dad bought of Odd Elmore and the other pieces <laughs> they've been able to assemble around this herd, that team, you know, Stevie Browning still there. Kelly goes off in the first round game for 16 points. Uh, the ultimate bragging rights that they'd be able to have over West Virginia fans, even though again it's not associated with the NCAA, uh, would be tremendous. It'd be interesting to watch on social media and vice versa for the Mountaineer fans who continue to kind of have that little brother treatment that they send uh, to Marshall's fans' way. And I think that, you know, since it's removed from college where, you know, the Mountaineers have the better facilities and they're in Mm -hmm. the Power Five conference and they're able to recruit better teams, it's kind of any man's games out here. And I think while the rosters are very different, they're equally as talented. Uh, I would give the slide edge to Best Virginia. I don't want to give away picks if that's something we want to do on tomorrow's (laughs) show. But it's going to be competitive, to say the least. You know, John Elmore did not play well. He's just 2 of 7 from the field. Mm -hmm. He did have 6 assists in that Founding Fathers game. He's not going to have two bad games in a row. And this heard that team has just shown that they can put up 77 points without their best player getting into double figures. So you know that when he gets back to winning ways and successful ways, which I'm sure he will against Best Virginia, it's going to be even tougher. So this isn't like... I think the Mountaineers, what was it, a four-seed against 13-seeded Marshall when they played the NCAA tournament. It's not going to be like that because I think these rosters are, are remarkably, again, not similar uh, in how they match up, but uh, similar in the amount of talent that they have. Yeah, and hey, once you put a little bit of age in there, age and not maybe playing as much as they you know, were, maybe not as much shape, that always throws an extra little variable into <laughs> things. But uh, I do want to play the interview with... Uh, John Flowers, uh, just a couple, or from last night, because I thought it was funny too. You forget listening and watching that these guys are, you know, normal adults with like normal jobs. They're they're playing in a tournament, right? And not, you know, with these schools anymore. And I think it was Flowers that said during the interview, and you might hear it in this, uh, because he sells houses, I think, up in Morgantown area. And he's at the very end, um, Creed was like, hey, you got anything to say? And he says, uh, hey, if you're looking for a house in Morgantown, hit me up, which I thought was kind of <laughs> hilarious to hear that from them because you're used to them being college kids where they can't say any of that stuff, you know, and then they can go and do it. So here is the uh, well, a clip of the very end of the game, the call at the very end of the game, and then we'll go right into the interview. Staten with the lane completely empty with the ball. couple of bounces. The shot is into the air. Ball game. Staten wins it. Um, offensively, I think moving the ball around, but I think we did pretty well for the first game, you know what I mean? Pretty good defense, too. What was the biggest thing you guys talked about in the uh, at halftime? Because we talked about you had to get more defense, exactly, yeah, right? They, yeah. they crushed you on the offensive glass. Yeah, so they, they we knew that they were going to come out all giddy and hype because, you know, they're playing on ESPN, playing the number one seed. Um, yeah, that was the biggest thing. Um, we're kind of undersized, you know what I mean? We don't have a big, but just got to box out. We just got to do the simple things, like, like Huzz always says. Yeah, well, that guy next year helped out on that glass, KJ. Oh, yeah, how many have? He finished 18. up with 18, eight. 18 and 8. Yeah. Right. Dang. Well, yeah, that's, that's what KJ does, man. I mean, you don't have a big, so everybody has to step up, you know? All right, stay off your feet until Tuesday. We'll see if we heard that. All right, man. Maybe sell a house in between. Well, try to, man. If anybody <laughs> needs a house, they I look old out there? No, you look good. No, you can still go. Hey, you're Bob, just peeking, man. You're, you're just, just getting you're going. Just getting, nah, it's over. Real estate agent. Need a house in Morgantown or anywhere in West Virginia. Give me a call. <laughs> Thanks, John. Appreciate it. All right, here we go. John Flowers over to Kevin Jones. Hey, good to see you, Kevin. He's slapping those headphones on. Congratulations. That was fun, huh? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fun because it wasn't a good game, so I'll take it. 
What was the what was the biggest difference? We just asked John what he thought the biggest difference was in the second half. What was it to you? I think we settled in. Uh, you got to remember, this is the first time all, all of us guys are playing together. We only had a week to prepare. So, you know, you're going to get some uh, miscues on defense and on offense. So once we settled down, we got them off the boards. That was the main part. They were staying in the game because they were on the offensive glass. So once we did that, we were able to neutralize their scoring, and uh, we, we were able to make some shots ourselves. John was saying you guys aren't overly big. However, we think your length on defense is really good. What do you think of your defensive length? Man, that's uh, when me and James were, had a vision of making this team, that's what we envisioned. Linked at, uh, at every position. And that's what we have, man. We have guys with seven-foot wingspan all around the court. So we have to use that even though we might not be the tallest team height-wise, we're the tallest team length-wise. So uh, we use that to our advantage, especially in the second half. You outscored them 42-17 to 17 in the second half. We locked, we locked down on defense, man. Uh, stop, stop taking bad shots. We took some bad shots in the beginning, you know, getting the, getting the nerves out, getting the jitters out. And once we settled in, we, we played our brand of basketball. Yeah, and, and got on the glass in the second half, kept them from getting those offensive rebounds. All right, as you look forward to the matchup coming up, heard that on Tuesday. Where's the area you want to see the most improvement? Uh, we can improve in every area. Just, I guess I would say, our shot selection, being patient, swinging the ball. We noticed when we started swinging the ball from side to side, getting the defense moving, that's when we got our best shots. So just focusing on that more, uh, obviously, uh, crashing the offensive glass while keeping the other team off the uh, off the offensive glass. So that's the areas we're going to focus on, and we'll be ready. All right, KJ, thanks so much, buddy. Thank appreciate, appreciate it. it. Congratulations. Yep. Yep. And, you know, Luke, you are getting a firsthand look down there. It sounds like they're having fun. Does it look like they're having fun out there? Oh, absolutely. And it's so much fun for the Mountaineer fans to see kind of these generations mix because Juwan Staten never played, obviously, mm-hmm. in college with Kevin Jones and John Flowers. So it's kind of like – how, you know, weirdo sports fans like me like to make all-decade teams and, all right. you know, all-time all starting 11s. Obviously, Jerry West isn't out there running around, but, you know, this is a cool kind of snapshot of 2005 to 2018-19 era West Virginia players that get to play together, and it's, it's a ton of fun. You know, you can kind of see the intensity because there's a million dollars on the line mm-hmm. and nobody wants to get embarrassed on kind of their home floor and nobody wants to, you know, be the guy that ruins his team shot of winning some money. But when West Virginia or Best Virginia was able to pull away with that 25-6 to third quarter, you started to see, you know, Scruggs came in, the late addition from West Virginia State, and you got to see more of Jermaine Haley um, and Tanner McGrew as well. And guys came in, hit some shots, had some fun, interacted with the crowd. You know, once they had that cushion, they were able to kind of blow off some steam and have a little bit of fun. So, you know, they were really riding high after that uh, that performance last night. I, I spoke to you off the air. The official Best Virginia Twitter account tweeted out at 3 a.m. that some of the players were still out doing who knows what in Charleston. Yeah, that was like, yeah, there's not a whole lot to do at noon in Charleston, it seems, sometimes, rather than at 3 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday of all days. But, yeah, it's fun to watch it. It's funny, too. You listen to it on the radio, so of course you can't hear it or see anything. But you hear, like, the band playing the West Virginia fight song. You hear Let's Go Mountaineers. And it's very, very easy to forget that this is just a tournament for a million dollars and it has nothing to do with colleges that are playing. But that's also what makes it kind of cool. And that's what makes, you know, WVU and uh, Marshall fans and JMU fan basketball, college basketball fans in general, a special, special breed. So make sure you tune into that. It'll be on Tuesday. Heard that in Best Virginia. It's going to be a big one. Make sure you tune that in uh, on ESPN, of course, or you should be able to listen to it here as well. But coming up after the break, I have a very special guest, uh, the new Spring Mills Athletic Director. At one time, Shepard uh, baseball coach, Shepard Hall of Famer, but 
Right now, Spring Mills AD Wayne Riser will be in to talk about uh, being the new Spring Mills AD. And, of course, we're going to talk about Shepard a little bit, too. So stick around. It's on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Icewinter. Alongside me is Luke Wiggs. Parker Stone is out at the uh, beach right now, so hopefully he'll uh, he's having a good time. He said he was going to send us in a bunch of his uh, picks and locks for uh, the sports betting scene here uh, for today, but haven't gotten him yet, so if Parker's <laughs> tuned in, uh, I guess we will find out. But Luke, uh, joining us in studio right now is a pretty big guest because... You know, we were just talking with uh, Coach Monty Cater the other day, Shepherd, former Shepherd football coach Monty Cater, and uh, you know, it seems like these Shepherd coaches—they're there for forever, but they build these programs that last, you know, for forever. So, joining us in studio is uh, Coach. Well, I guess I should call you Mister Riser, but Coach Wayne Riser, how you doing this morning? Good. How you doing? And. Uh Coach is great. Coach? coach is great. Perfect. Well, I'll call you coach. That's easier for me, that's for sure. But before we get into your transition, you know, over as Spring Mills athletic director, let's get back to talking Shepherd a little bit. I mean, your record, 40, 410, 315, and 2 over 18 years. That's a pretty good record, huh? And not bad. Not bad. Uh, you know, we made a great effort. I was very blessed with uh, a lot of very good players that came and played for me and uh, just very blessed, and it was a great, uh, uh, you know, a great situation. Well, it's interesting to talk to Division Two coaches, I think, because you know, Division One that comes with its own prestige. It kind of the schools recruit themselves. At Division Three, I get, I feel like you get a lot of that trickle down, or kids just kind of pop up at you know tryouts and things like that. But Division Two, you get that kind of mix. So, how is it? I mean, you obviously built such a great program. I mean, uh, Weaviac Northern Division titles in '94, '97, '98, '99, '01, '02, '03, '05, '06. I could keep going if we if uh, we had enough time, but how do you build that kind of a, a program? What was it building that program at Shepherd? Well, and it, it, you know, it was. I don't want to say it was easy because that would be uh, definitely the opposite of the truth. Uh, it was a ground roots, a grassroots effort, uh, and the big thing was the only thing that we had to sell at that time was vision and where we want to go. And the most important thing is, uh, I know a lot of people don't know this. In the early stages, ninety one to ninety four. Local, local Berkeley County kids built that Shepherd baseball program. Your Mike Shermans, your Corey Tuckers, your Scott Bradfords, your your Charlie Lamps, your Charlie Lowrys. Mm-hmm. Okay, the, those guys are the ones that uh, you know didn't get the 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 roofed hitting facility and uh, you know the building out and left and the scoreboard and right. the seats. They didn't right. have that, and those guys uh, you know bared the brunt of building that program and they built it with uh, hard work accountability, responsibility, and, and a great pride of, of competing. And uh, th- that was the, one of the most uh, rewarding things that I've ever been around. And some of those people I'm still as close to as anybody. And uh, it's just built phenomenal relationships. Well, you talked about uh, the facilities over at Shepherd and Fairfax Field. I've always thought was kind of the coolest. It feels like a college baseball field when you go there. Now, of course, I started, I guess, coming around. My uh, oldest cousin played at Wesleyan. I think he played you guys. It would have been the early 2000s, late 90s. Uh, so a lot of the, you know, Fairfax Field was really starting to kind of start to get built up. Things were starting to move. But it just feels like the right spot. And like you said, it took a while for it to get to that point. Oh, no doubt. And uh you know, from, uh, I guess, ground up A to Z. And, yeah. uh, you know, I spent a lot of my uh, life down there. And, you know, my oldest daughter, Jordan, basically grew up on that field with me. And, 
Uh, we had a lot of fun. She recently told me, she said, Dad, that was the best time of my life, cut, <laughs> cutting grass and going to sheets for a smuffin. Yep. And, uh, so, so <laughs> Walking down the hill cool. for it. Absolutely. Now, I want to talk about one uh, year in particular. Now, it's the 97 team. If we can look all the way back to 97, even mm-hmm. though it feels feels like it was just yesterday. Uh, it's a long time ago. So you had a record of 39-7. and seven. Now, that gave you the top winning percentage among all D2 baseball organizations and players. So what was so special about that 97 team? Well, the group of people we had. And it was a mix of people with outside the area, but, uh, but inside the area. You know, I always talk about the big three, and they were from Martinsburg High School. Ty Hart, Andrew Fincham, and uh, and uh, Jamie Ware. Mm-hmm. And they were a cornerstone of our program, and Richie Pell came along, and uh, Keith Coney, who are Hall of Fame members down at, at Shepherd, and, uh, you know, Brian Sands was our closer. We we just had uh, just a, such a great, talented group of people that, for some reason, we got together. And the most special thing about them was was their competitive nature. Mm-hmm. That team also went twenty and zero in the league. Yeah, and I don't know if I know yep. it wasn't done previous, and I don't know if it's ever been done again, and I don't know if it ever will go again. And you know, it's a testament to that group because that was not my goal. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget the day we were in a team meeting, and I said, "Hey, what do you guys want to do? I'm going to leave for five minutes. Y'all figure it out, and I'll come back." And they told me, "So, coach, we're not losing a conference game." <laughs> And I said, hey, that's a great goal, but whoa, 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 slow down here. That doesn't happen in baseball. And I'll never forget Keith Coning standing up in a meeting saying, Coach, with all due respect. And I went, uh-oh. <laughs> and he said, we're not losing a game. Hmm. And to, in, in the effort to get the meeting finished, I said, okay, Keith, we'll move forward with it. And they didn't. Wow. And I just sat and listened. I was so fortunate. But their competitive nature yeah. and uh, and how they picked each other up and pushed each other. It was just a special situation that I've been blessed to be around. Now, Coach, of course you know Shepard's in the Peace Act now. They were in the Mountain East, which was formerly uh, the Weavey Act. Now, in terms of I – feel, I think people think mainly football first. Now, in terms of football, the Mountain East maybe wasn't giving Shepard the you know challenge that they were looking for, so they moved on to the Peace Act. But I think – and, of course, I'm a little biased because my dad played in the Weaviac. I've had family members play in the Weaviac. But I've always heard that the Weaviac was the place to be if you wanted to play baseball, especially in the state of West Virginia. Of course, like I said, a little biased there. Uh, but do you think that was the case? Do you think that this move to the PSAC um, by way of the Mountain East has helped Shepard in baseball? Well, I think it's going to help them not only in baseball but, but other sports. You know, you, you have to look holistic, holistically across the board when you make a decision like that. So I think it has helped them in baseball. I think it will. Uh, as you know, Matt McCarty was an assistant of mine and, mm-hmm. and played, and he's just doing a phenomenal job down there. And uh, I teased him about three or four years ago. I said, my goodness, Matt, all I did was hold you guys back. So, <laughs> And uh, he's doing a great job. And uh, I, I think it has benefited him. I, I think maybe uh, uh, perception maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, that's not what gets things done, but uh, – but, that's just how the world is at sometimes. Right. They call it they call it optics. One optics. of my key terms. Optics. <laughs> That's wow. a good buzzword. Wow. But uh, you know, I thought it was a good decision and it, it kind of brings what it does is bring the region together. Yeah. Because it was always us versus them and I used to uh, tease people all the time when we got into a regional because it was us and five other PSAC teams. So mm-hmm. I, I started t- calling it the PSAC Inventational. <laughs> And uh, but uh, we were glad to participate in them and compete against them at any time. Well, Coach, uh, say Luke Wiggs is joining us here. I know he's got some question for you. 
Yeah, Coach, apologize. It's like the Wizard of Oz talking to a disembodied voice right now. <laughs> but uh, something you already touched on and I wanted you to kind of circle back to is that uh, local talent. Obviously, there's some disadvantages at the Division Two level, but maybe some advantages that came your way with the Eastern Panhandle kind of being the cradle of baseball talent um, that it is. Was that always something you could rely on in you know, your recruiting process, finding a, a number of local kids every year that could help you succeed? 100%. Uh, you're 100% correct, and I always took pride in that and uh, always wanted to build our program with that and as the backbone of our program. Now, you know, as years went on, we couldn't field a 30-man roster. Uh, with the entire Eastern Panhandle, uh, you know, you just couldn't do that. But uh, the backbone and the base of every team that we had, you can trace back, you know, it had a local flavor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's great because those guys get to stay at home and uh, and, and do well and, and learn how to succeed, you know, at a higher level than, than the high school. And uh, and I think it just uh, propels them as, as individuals and, and, and teaches them how to be successful. And, uh, you know, I was the blessed one being around those guys, that's for sure. Well, Coach, let's uh, move forward a little bit. Now, you stopped at a couple of different places uh, between Shepard and uh, the Johnson City Doughboys of the Appalachian League. Now, talk about that transition because you're going from college kids, right, that you can kind of, you know, mold and, you know, do what you need to do with them. But then you get to the level like the Appalachian League, which isn't necessarily affiliated ball, but it still kind of has that little bit of prestige to it, a little bit of professionalism to it. So what was it like going, I guess I should say, going from coach to manager? Well, actually, I, I wasn't the manager. I was the or hitting, hitting coach. I'm hitting sorry, coach. hitting coach. Yes, I didn't mean manager. And uh, well, it, it was a great experience, and uh, I really enjoyed it. And was really bittersweet because I got this position mm-hmm. and basically had to go in with the, the manager and general manager and give them, you know, two weeks' notice. Yeah, and I, I could have flown right away, but I talked to Mark, and neither one of us thought that was the right thing to do. And I gave them two weeks' notice, and then came back home here and got started last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically I've worked for seven straight days and I'm smiling about it. So I don't tell you something, <laughs> but that, it was a great experience. You know, I got to coach guys from, uh, uh I made great relationships with guys that now play at Missouri, mm-hmm. Seton hall, um, uh, Eastern Michigan, uh, uh, Jared Johnson plays at Brown. Yeah. He's and, a smart guy. Uh, he's going to be a, a mechanical engineer and both of go. his parents are so better him than me. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to get into that, uh, <laughs> that line, uh, that field of work, uh, that was determined early. Yeah, so yeah. That's why why I'm coaching. <laughs> right, right. But uh, it was just great to be around those guys and, and have an opportunity to run the offense and and, and build relationships and and be in charge of uh, the offensive uh, side of the ball. And uh, the people down in Johnson City were great, uh, great ownership, great management, uh, treating me like gold. Uh, it was it's a very good competitive league. Mm-hmm. You know, we started out zero and eight. Uh, we didn't have our whole team there. Uh, none of our pitching was there, and that that was tough, miserable. But then, right before I left, we went twenty-seven and ten, and and now they're 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 getting going a little bit. But uh, the, the awful start, and but I was just proud of the rebound. And I told our guys that, but it was a great experience. Uh, I got to meet some great people. I got to play in beautiful ballparks. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, uh, you know, so it was just a great experience, and I was very fortunate to have that. Well, let's talk about Spring Mills now. Like you said, you weren't in Johnson City for too long because you ended up taking the athletic director job at Spring Mills High School. So that transition is a little different. You've been teaching on and off throughout your uh, you know, professional career, but this 
is a cool mix of both of your loves, I guess I could say. Your uh, teaching love, but also your coaching love, because I guess you're kind of the coach of all the coaches being the athletic director. You know, that's a great point. And, and I think as we go through coaching, and you mentioned a couple things I want to hit on, um, you know, I was also a director of facilities at Shepard. I was a, a facility supervisor down at UMW in Virginia. Uh, I was, you mentioned Monty Cater. Mm-hmm. My God, what a coaching legend he is. And I was fortunate enough to be side by side with him for 22 years. Um, great guy. And uh, I was his game manager. Really? For football, <laughs> uh, basketball, and uh, he employed me to do that. And so I was very fortunate to gain the experience I did, which will definitely benefit me in, in this position. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right. As you go through coaching, and I've told several people, you know, at the last five to seven years of my career, I think I took more pride in, 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 in enjoyment and coaching my coaches yeah. than I did my players. And, and I think, you know, you you mature through the cycle of that and you do that, and that's where I'm at now. But, yeah, I'm very excited. I'm humbled. Uh, I'm nervous. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, and it's uh, it's. I feel like I've been running 100 miles an hour since Monday. Yeah, no, I guarantee but, it. But guess what? I'm I'm enjoying the heck out of it. And, you know, uh, Mark Salfia, I just uh, – he hired me, and uh, I'm just so fortunate that, that he saw something and, and the admin team saw something. And, uh, you know, I played against Mark. I remember him hitting. Really? I was, I was the coach at Shepard. Yeah. And he was playing at AB. Is that right? Yeah, he could hit. Huh. He could hit. I pulled up an old scouting report. <laughs> Of and course. I, I told of him course. this the other day. I pulled up an old scouting report, and the scouting report says – now, I didn't spell his name right. I, I called him Scalfia. 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 I said, hey, let the Scalfia guy get his hits because he's going to get three or four. Don't worry about that because we're going to beat the rest of them and win. A small world, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, isn't that it crazy? Is. Yes, it is. Well, again, uh, speaking with Wayne Riser, Coach Riser, uh, now Spring Mills Athletic Director. I ask you one more question, and I'll pass it over to Luke. Now, with Spring Mills being still relatively new school in the grand scheme of things, uh, new athletic programs, even though they're really starting to come into their own, a couple state championships and a couple different sports, um, what's kind of your, uh, if I could say, uh, map uh, leading into this job as Spring Mills AD? Right. Uh, good question. For last the first two days I was there, I sat down with Mark, and we had a lot of conversations because he was the AD last year. And I can tell from from day one, from minute one, the, the, the type of job he did, and it's really going to help me get my feet on the ground. But we talked and, and, and had uh, several hour-long meetings about our vision and what we want to do. And, and to put it in a nutshell, we want to provide uh, the best athletic and academic experience in Berkeley County. That's our goal, and uh, that's a lofty goal, mm-hmm. especially with uh, you know the the county schools that are here. I mean, this is pretty good educationally and athletically in yeah. Berkeley County, but that's our goal, and uh, it's going to be a difficult uh, goal to achieve. But uh, you know, we're going to go in every day and make our best effort. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day, but uh, by God, I bet they were laying brick every day. Mm-hmm. So, we're, we're, so that's kind of our mantra. We're going to lay brick every day and, and, and do the best we can to provide that type of experience for all of our students and our athletes. And uh, it's very exciting. The school is new. And I think that's a, a great situation for us where we can really lay the groundwork for a lot of success. Absolutely. Luke? And coach, uh, have you kind of been able to survey some of the success that uh, is already going on at Spring Mills? You've got a young football team there, kind of two up and coming basketball teams as well. Both have 
had comfortable winning records last year, and it's a, a bit of a soccer powerhouse. I apologize asking you this question so early into the job, but can you kind of give us a, a, a state of the affairs of the athletic programs that are at, at Spring Mills right now, some having uh, tremendous success? Yes, sir, somewhat. I've been involved already. In matter of fact, I get out of here today and have five coaches meetings when I leave. Ooh. So we're, you know, we're, we've already met as a coaching staff and, and I'm going to meet every coach individually one-on-one just to assess the programs and, and just basically to, to listen to them tell me where they are. And uh, myself and Mark uh, have been doing a minute-by-minute, day-by-day, week-by-week assessment. Hmm. And, and that's kind of where we are. But, yes, we have had some success. I know that our wrestling program's done well. Like you mentioned, our two up-and-coming basketball programs. And I think uh, that's important to get with them and uh, build on that success. But I think there's a lot more on the horizons. I think there's a lot more potential in, in what we're doing and who we are and, and I think what we can and accomplish. Absolutely. Well, Coach, unfortunately, uh, we're going to have to let you go. We could sit here and talk to you all day long. But, you know, with your experience, with your tenure, and with the, obviously your determination, I don't think uh, there would have been a better person to pick than you for the Spring Mills Athletic Director job. So thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you again, that's for sure, especially when sports season comes rolling around. Uh, but if you missed any of this conversation, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook page. But, Coach, thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. And stick around for more Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, part of the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Icewarner. Alongside me, Luke Wiggs. Parker is out on vacation, but if you missed it, we were just speaking with Coach Coach Riser, Wayne Riser, the new Spring Mills Athletic Director. You probably know him from Shepard as well. Uh, but Luke, man, we could see or talk to him all day, don't you think? Yeah, I agree. You know, at, at some point, it's just radio odds that you're not going to have the greatest interview. But the people that we've had on this show for the first three weeks have just been incredible. We could have done an hour with all of them. Jake Stevens, our first guest, Monty Cater, Coach Lowry as well. And uh, the same to him, man. I mean, just a wealth of knowledge, very entertaining, very charismatic, and you can tell very passionate about the job he's taking at Spring Mill. So just another phenomenal interview. Boy, and he sounds like a baseball coach, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He yeah, does. sitting here across from him, I can only imagine what it was like just hearing it. But sitting across from him, I felt like he was just a mix of all the baseball coaches I had growing up <laughs> and talking to me, which is pretty cool. But, you know, baseball guys love to talk about baseball and I feel like golf you can throw golf people into this too baseball guys can pull up situations stats I mean anything out of top of their you know out of top of their brain and it always makes the conversation pretty interesting yeah we're obviously both biased because we played but the culture around baseball I think is the best you know being in a dugout there's nothing like it as opposed to sitting on the sidelines for a basketball or football Mm -hmm. game and coaches have a lot to do with that culture and like you said you could tell that he was a great culture coach Absolutely. And especially hearing him to say that, you know, if it wasn't for Panhandle kids, Berkeley County kids, Jefferson County kids, uh, you know, the program that he ended up making so successful wouldn't have even really got off the ground. And I think that's a testament to show how, you know, deep the well is of athletic talent around here. Yeah, absolutely. When you're able to pull at the Division II level 10 to 15 kids that can perform at that level every year from your surrounding area, again, it's not easy at the Division II level to do anything, but that certainly helps as uh, in stark comparison to some of the other areas of the state and the Mountain East Conference or the Weaviac or whatever that don't quite have the same talent around them. So knowing that you're going to start not with nothing but with some very good, well-coached talent, again, going back to the coaches we've talked to in the past, like Coach Lauer, if you're getting a Jefferson player that has gone through his program – uh, you know he's going to perform for you at a high level in Division Two. 
Well, we just got uh, about a minute here, Luke. Uh, what all you got? Well, tell people what to expect for TBT coming up on Tuesday, and then we'll kind of uh, bring it back to the local stuff. Well, tickets are still available. Uh, please buy them if you can to get down here. It's going to be an electrifying atmosphere. It's going to be a fun matchup in the rivalry game between Best Virginia and Heard That. And the game before it, Buccaneers and uh, War Ready, is going to be fun to watch too. And don't forget, if you uh, have an ESPN Plus subscription, or I'm sure you can find somebody that does have a login, uh, the Hedgesville Little League softball team is going to be taking on Valparaiso out of Florida at 2 p.m. in the Little League Regionals down in uh, Warner Robins, Georgia. They're playing good. So make sure you watch them. 2 p.m. is the game time uh, on ESPN+. But for Parker and Luke, I'm Jordan. This has been Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Have a good one. Panhandle Live is next. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST brings a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.